Construct with Clark and Alyssa. Okay, this season, all right, I want the best introduction ever, okay? I want, um, I need sound effects for like wands, I need sound effects for fireworks, I need sound effects for the Universal Studios uh, world of Harry Potter. Okay, I need you to do that like a little bit louder and closer to the mic. Welcome to season three of Wordstruck. <laughs> Where I gave you a movie intro when we're talking about books. <laughs> because that's just how much fun we're having. <laughs> because in this book, or in this whoa podcast, my friend Alyssa and I are talking about books that we love. Or kind of. I mean, this is a book that you love that I haven't read yet. But that's kind of half the fun, right? That is all the fun. That is how I get people to listen to this. Because... You can talk to anyone about how you love Harry Potter. That's pretty That's yeah. pretty easy to find, actually. But to hear someone discover Harry Potter for the first time, is it's a delight for me. And so far, the people that I've talked to, that's, that's the delight of this podcast, is hearing you discover it. Alyssa, would you say that it's a magical experience? Yes. It's enthralling. It's... it's uh, stupefying it's great you heard it here first folks the stupefying new season of wordstruck <laughs> is finally here so uh would you like to tell all of our wonderful beautiful handsome listeners what book we're reading this season harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban that's book number three for those of you keeping track at home season three book number three there might be a trend here that trend might keep going we'll mm-hmm. see mm-hmm I'm excited. But for I'm... now, yeah, we're going to read about this this magical boy and how he frees this uh, giant griffin-looking thingy, and he totally lands himself a redhead, apparently, according to the front cover. Wow. That's got to be Ginny. I'm just calling it right now, because I'm shipping that. And I pretty much know, because I'm not, you know, living in a bubble, <laughs> I kind of know those guys end up together. So. I mean, but it is... I mean, it's set in Scotland. There are a lot of gingers around there. And we've mm. already talked about how there are a lot of gingers around there. So I tell you what, the first redhead that we meet that I don't know, first of all, is probably Voldemort. <laughs> Second of all, Harry's probably going to end up with her anyway, because this book is just full of twists. So if I've learned one thing, it's uh, it, it, just don't get ahead of yourself with your predictions. Just uh, on that cover, it, do you think she's wearing hand-me-down robes? Because that's apparently how you spot it. Red hair and hand-me-down robes. <laughs> well, she's the only sister. If it's Ginny, she's the only sister, right? Right. She's only wearing, lady. She's wearing purple. And so unless her brothers are wearing long sleeve purple shirts, it's probably not a hand-me-down. I wouldn't put it past Fred or George. <laughs> that's true. It is the UK. <laughs> They do wear different things there. Well, purple. Purple is a symbolic color for magic in Harry Potter. Oh, is it? Purple and green. Oh. Lots of lots of things that are magical tend to be purple and green. His like, shirt is purple and green. In that first uh, chapter of 
the Philosopher's Stone. Mm. There are people in purple and green robes who are coming up to Mr. Dursley and talking about how wonderful it is, and Mr. Dursley's all grumbling about it. And that's that was an intention, an intentional color choice of mm. those are magical colors. I do not know that. But you've picked up on it. The magical thing about colors is colors are magical things. Okay, Tigger. <laughs> Some of the magics are purple. Some of the magics are greens. So <laughs> oh, we're going to start right at the beginning of this book because we kind of do this chapter by chapter or really two chapters at a time uh, because that's just how we like to do it. And we want you guys to be able to like read along with us. So Clark. Yeah. What? Oh, you can say so Clark. <laughs> so Clark. Yeah, I can. Uh-huh. What do you expect to happen in this book? In this book? Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to ride this hippogriff thing into into the sunset, that's for sure. Uh, so the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, it's probably, I mean, just judging off of the first chapters. Can I use the first two chapters as context? Sure. I mean, that's you've read it. So okay. It could very well be Sirius Black. He's like the prisoner, and he escaped prison <laughs> so uh could be i'm him. so glad you didn't write this book <laughs> <laughs> the first chapter no lie the first chapter would be like two pages like harry another bad summer something birthday something presents birthday didn't suck as much as last year aunt marge is a terrible exposition terrible... exposition exposition <laughs> scene <laughs> <laughs> and there you go that's the first two chapters thanks so much for tuning in to you <laughs> now um what do i think is gonna happen so serious black definitely a bad guy <sighs> experience would lead me to believe that he's somehow also voldemort or some subset of voldemort or a servant of voldemort because all every we're all voldemort you know <laughs> and i think um we'll see i think serious black Definitely, just given his name and everything we know about him, I don't think he's secretly a good guy, but he could be. You never know. I think he's a bad guy. I think he's probably going to be one of the antagonists. Um, They're going to have to kind of fight him off. I'm hoping they get out of the school a bit more, but that's not really how this book works. Uh, Man, honestly, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think it's mostly going to be Hogwarts and Quidditch for like half of the thing, and then... I don't know. I, I really do not know. Uh, this Griffin thing might be the prisoner. It's wearing shackles, or I mean, that's either something that they use to ride it, or that's like shackles keeping a prisoner. I don't know. Maybe they need to free this bird thing. Um, we'll see. What do you think is going to happen? I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm. You never <clears throat> fall for that. I think. I'm I'm thinking that the end of the book will I think I will enjoy this book more than I enjoyed the last one. Oh cool. Uh, that's on our journey together. I think that um at, if I remember correctly this is it's not quite the turning point into sort of a, a different um narrative and and more adult but i think it the story is it goes some places that will feel less juvenile 
So it's kind of more advanced storytelling. Yeah. It's yeah. starting to write for, you know, kids that are 12 and 13. And, and those kids are starting to be able to handle darker stories. Hmm. Cool. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. This should be good. It's a, it's a good looking book. Um, I've definitely appreciated Joanne's writing improvements, even just over one book. So I'm hoping we'll get even more of that in this book. Hopefully fewer latent exposition bots. Not too hopeful with the first two chapters, but I didn't think we got a ton of exposition bots. Yeah, just a lot of exposition. We, we and we got some ground laying that, which by the time that this came out, people had to wait a little bit in the in the U.S. at least. Like the the Harry Potter train took off, and a lot of people read the first book and the second book one right after the other oh. because we were we were kind of realizing oh this is a cool thing and so those two were both accessible at the same time and then i think it was like a year before that people had to wait for the third harry potter book and i remember opening my third harry potter book at my birthday party and being very excited because i had just read the fir- the first and second oh, wow. books and and had had to wait and was like oh there's another one this is exciting and so there was some time that had passed between people reading the Chamber of Secrets and this. Cool. Have to remember. Have to remember what happened. Got to contextualize it. Yep. yep. So, speaking of, shall we go into our first chapter? Yeah, let's talk about uh, chapter one. Do you want to give us another song for that, or? Uh... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> How about a uh, description then? I'll post. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Or, or that was, that was a little more of pigeon sound. But um, so in Alpost, Harry does his homework in secret, real thrilling, mm. and he gets his first ever birthday cards and gifts. And Errol, the Weasley's owl, proves he's utterly useless as an owl, as he is carried by two other owls. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he flew away, all defeated and beaten down. Yeah. Turns and he looks back and he says, "I'll be back." No, yep. no, no, no. He went, <laughs> I'm trying something new this season. I'm going to be just a little bit too much. That's my goal. Just a little <laughs> bit too much. Just just enough to be too much. <laughs> I'm hoping the microphone takes off a, a few shades of that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so I'll post, uh, like you said, Harry Potter does his homework in secret. Which... You'd think that he would, I mean, so we've learned in the past two books that apparently the Dursleys have ears like bats. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to do your homework under your covers in bed at night on parchment with a loud quill pen, like scratchy quill pen Mm -hmm. and an ink, like an ink pot. Mm. And you're worried about, like, spilling your ink and all this stuff. And I'm like, wouldn't you just, like, steal a little uh, ballpoint pen from the junk drawer in the kitchen? I have a theory on this. Give me your theory. Uh, Are you familiar with two-step authentication? No. Okay, so... uh, Well, I mean, yeah, I guess on my iPhone. Yeah, yeah, you type in your password. But it's like if you have a Twitter account or something where it's like you put in your password and then it's like, okay, and then it sends a code to your phone. And you type in that code additionally. So it's like, not only do I know the password, but I'm also holding the phone of this person, which means that, like, it's definitely me. 
it's a I guess that's two factor authentication. Two step is a little bit different. Either way, I'm thinking that perhaps the teachers have put some type of anti cheating spell in the inkwell of these people that they can somehow verify that it was Harry that wrote these or Hermione that wrote these or like, you know, little ways to double check like this ink will only appear if it's written by the person that it's assigned to. Nah. Nah. I don't buy it. There's because so many anti-cheating things they could do in the school. There are so many things magic could do that this school is just not taking advantage yeah, of. Yeah, I don't think they're wildly concerned with cheating. Like, I think, honestly, if you, like, use some sort of magic to cheat, mm-hmm. they'd be like, eh, well, at least you're, like, learning things. <laughs> yeah, but... McGonagall would have a problem. But Flitwick would probably just be like, oh, you used, you have such an advanced charm. Such a good job. But what if their, like, advanced charm was bullying, like, a poor Hufflepuff into doing it for them? I think most of the teachers would be like, eh, it's Hufflepuff. Eh. Hey, Huffle Nation, okay? Hey, I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying they would not crusade for Hufflepuff. <laughs> well, still. I still believe in hashtag Huff Nation and... Puff Nation. <laughs> I guess Puff Nation too. Both of them work. But uh, I don't know. So you don't My, think it's that, huh? You don't think it's some sort of two-factor authentication? I think it's. I think Hogwarts is stubbornly, um, stubbornly archaic with their their pen technology, and so either there's a they would have a problem with you using muggly utensils, or the Dursleys are super. Like, I mean, I could see Aunt Petunia having a very tight awareness of what's in her junk drawer. Like, she probably doesn't even have a junk drawer. It's, like, just meticulously organized. And if he were to try to take a pen, they'd notice. And they probably don't sell muggle pens in Diagon Alley. And so Harry probably doesn't own any muggle pens. Hmm. And so... And he can't take his wizard money to go buy a muggle pen anywhere else. And so it's probably just what he has. Yeah, yeah. But still, I'm like, it's going to be very hard for you to never spill a drop of like liquid ink. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for yeah. failure big it's, time. Someone's someone's going to find out. And Ampetunia's crazy. She's she's going to find that little spot of black ink. Yeah, see, I think I I think I told you a couple weeks ago that I have a really hard time trusting anyone that shows up on time for brunch. Because it's like, no, nah, the whole point of brunch is that nobody wants to be awake. Nobody's in any kind of hurry. So if you show up at exactly like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock for brunch, that's weird, man. Because like that means you were like on top of things, which means that why didn't you just eat breakfast? Anyway, I think in the same way, like if you don't have a junk drawer or like a random drawer, I kind of have a hard time trusting you. Like what type of person doesn't just have one drawer where they're just like, oh, there we go. Rubber bands, I guess. A, a, <laughs> a screwdriver, I guess. Like that just seems like so human to me. So to like here's someone who doesn't have any form of just like dump place and aunt petunia is definitely one of those people yeah she is a dump place i tell you what (laughs) (sighs) so anyway so harry's doing his homework which the essay cracked me up did the the like witch burning yeah why it's useless (sighs) (laughs) because witches don't burn and i mean even if they wanted to fake it they could just fake it and just come back later it's it's really funny it's kind of a uh, 
a bit of a dark subject to joke about. But if anyone can do it, it's Harry Potter. Well, I mean, and it, it, I mean, it takes a dark subject and lightens it. Yeah, because it just makes them look like idiots. Really well. And it's like, you know, there, there were some witches who liked to get caught many times. That because was funny. Yeah. They just enjoyed the sensation of of the fake burning and just like shrieking a lot and freaking people out. And I, I, I love how they warped this part of this real part of history. I feel like that grounded the story in our world a lot better because witch burning is a real thing that we did and it's really awful. And, uh, and so to think about those people were actually just pulling whole communities legs. Yeah. And and this chapter does a good job of doing that in general. I mean, we see it again in Ron's letter where he talks about Egypt and how there was a lot of magic in Egypt. So you're like, oh, so like mummies and all that mysticism and all the rituals and stuff like that actually was just basic wizardry. And it's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And then it's like, that would help explain how they built the pyramids. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically. Sure, yeah, elephants and carts and leverage, sure. But like magic would be very helpful so it's i love all of the egypt notions because Mm -hmm. i think that that's something that we haven't really gotten to experience yet in the harry potter books of thinking about magic outside of the uk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and our first insight is this ancient really uh almost romanticized culture and and to imagine the whole weasley clan just like filing in and out of of temples and tombs and pyramids and just just sort of having their little Indiana Jones style experience. There's one place where Ginny can't go because she's just too young to handle it. Too dangerous. I love the idea of, of wizard tourism. And I, I feel like I went on a little mini vacation with them when I was reading his letter and it was wonderful. Yeah. I really enjoyed that letter. It just, and that's the type of exposition that I really enjoy because it was done so naturally. And he did say little things like, you know, Percy's head boy. Uh, Like he gave like a very good update, but it just felt so natural and it felt like how Ron would say it. It was, yeah, it was very natural world building. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yes, Mm -hmm. we, you've struggled with this in the past, Joanne, and this is money. Awesome job. Oh, speaking of money, how do you feel about, okay. So Ron's family Mm -hmm. won 700 galleons. Mm -hmm. Is that right? And then they spent most of it on the trip to Egypt. Mm-hmm. That kind of seems like a bad idea to me, personally. Like, I mean, okay, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, for sure. And your whole family gets to experience it. That's really cool that you get to have this moment, these couple of weeks with your family. But there are so many things they need. Like, they still have two kids, th- four kids, five kids that are going through school. And... Ron spent half of the last book using a crappy wand that that backfired and was downright dangerous. And yet when they actually come across money, they just like spend it all on vacation. And I'm just like, I'm really trying not to like discriminate against poor people for actually trying to have something nice in their life. But it was really hard for me not to be like, what are you doing? Okay. It's like spending your tax rebate on like an 80 inch TV. So Clark. Yes. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are spenders Mm. and there are savers. 
you are definitely a saver mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of you want to you want to like make these very specific like you're not gonna buy stuff randomly and i'm scrupulous i will i will binge on food and that's about it and yeah. and you're a kind of person who will uh probably know how much is in your savings account uh-huh. and keep track of that and part of that is is where you've lived and like there, there are lots of reasons and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that I would say that the Weasleys have figured out how to survive with a family of nine with their base level of needs met. And they've probably already been planning how to get all those kids through school. And I don't, I can't really speak for that, but this was a, a a surprise and so they used it like the surprise and the gift and the and the wonderful blessing that it could be and they invested in an experience because they're spenders and they're they're people who are less interested in the material and they want like it sounds like they've never had an opportunity to do something like this. Yeah, that's true. As Nothing even close. All of them. And, they, and they're not financially responsible for Bill or Charlie anymore. So they just have the five kids left. Percy's going to be fine. He's going to go find a job. Yeah. Friend George probably also going to be fine. Like None of their kids are in sports either. So they're not dropping lots of money on like Quidditch every year. Are you kidding me? They're all in sports. Oh wait, yeah. Percy's Fred and George not. are both. Friend George are beaters. Beaters, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, and then. Oh, it's it's just the two of them. Yeah. But. That's true. And I mean, I I just I think that they invested in a family experience, and I'm not going to knock them for that, because look at how it affected Ron, and look at how, like, it brought all of their kids and all their family together. And they look so happy in their photo, and they yeah. made the daily profit. And it, that is a very good payoff. I I think, yeah, it wasn't an investment in future education. They weren't, you know, saving up their buffer so that they have enough money in the event of a catastrophe. But they had a wonderful week together in a foreign land. And I think it may have even been longer than a week, wasn't it? Yeah, I, don't, I, I thought it was like a few long. weeks. Might You're right. A few weeks, it but... is a once in a lifetime experience. So I, I don't, I don't think you should knock them for, for investing in family time. I thought it was fun to see. Uh, so both Hermione and Ron wrote Harry letters that went with the gifts, his birthday gifts. I like to see all like the parallels between the letters and how like invested in Ron's life Hermione is and how they'll echo each other. I th- it's just such a again like when it comes to world building and character building and stuff. Remembering back to two books ago, or even last book, there were still some moments where, you know, they weren't that good at talking to each other, and, like, they, you know, they were getting to be good friends, but they weren't quite, like, super besties yet. At least Ron and Hermione weren't. Like, I, I think I remember saying a bunch of times that Ron was just a jerk to Hermione. He was, he was a jerk, book. but they talked to each other over yeah. uh, o- over the summer. They sent each other letters. Yeah, and... and- <clears throat> Now we get to see, like, no, they actually are, like, buddies now. And Hermione's excited to tell Harry about what Ron's doing and, like, little things like that. I thought it was just kind of a 
a cute little display of how like nah you guys are buddies like you're friends and i i do like especially now in this in this time of social media and you know we're we're reading this in 2017 and our world is so on the internet and it's so connected but this is set you know early 90s Mm -hmm. and that's how people communicated was by letters and by phone Mm -hmm. and i love the phone story of ron calling for (laughs) harry and not understanding that i can just talk normally and just shouting his ear off and he can't call again and he told hermione don't even try they're not gonna let you Mm -hmm. and and harry's just so disappointed because he's like hermione knows how to use the phone could have called i'm bummed that hermione didn't try and that she didn't understand that that Obviously, Ron probably did something wrong, and I could probably get Harry on the phone because yeah. I'm Hermione and I'm savvy. But she's still like 13. She's still got some insecurities and stuff. She's We've seen her do confident, bold actions. That doesn't mean that her as a character is always confident and bold. She's pretty precocious, but also... Like, I would bet that she didn't call because she thought Ron burned the bridge. And it's possible Ron did burn the bridge. Yeah. But uh, I'm still still sad for Harry that he didn't get to talk on the phone with his friend who knows how to talk on the phone. (laughs) The hard part is, I mean, because the Dursleys have such keen hearing, that whole yelling at them was, that's the worst thing you could do for for bat-eared people is just yell at them. So yeah, probably a burnt bridge. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's okay though. They they still got him gifts, courtesy of Errol, who needed what two birds to carry him. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's too bad. Is yeah, that or those are really ex- really heavy gifts. <laughs> I mean, the broom cleaning kit sounded pretty legit. And he's flying like some of it from Egypt. Oh, that's the thing too. The bird is flying back and forth from Egypt. I'm like that poor owl. Is it flying? They they're probably back from Egypt at that point, but I don't I don't know. I but guess I think while he was in Egypt, he was probably sending out letters. Oh, probably. But I tend to think. Okay, have you seen Scott Pilgrim? Uh, it's been a while. But yes. Okay. Well, essentially, like the delivery gal, um, she like unlocks this like other alternate reality travel warp space, and it saves her a lot of time doing deliveries. I'd like to think that the owls have that too, that they kind of just like have a. You know, they're like, oh, I need to go to the United States. All right, well, I'm just going to take this whoop shortcut, like, through this transdimensional realm. Little wormhole. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be an owl hole. <clears throat> or an owl post hole. Hmm. There's something there. So, <laughs> owl post So, hole. what do you think? Um, we mentioned Percy's head boy. Do you think mm. that's going to have any bearing on them? Nah, Percy already acted as head boy. I mean... he was He was a prefect. Now he's... So the way that hierarchy... But he already acted like a, a head boy. Like, he's he's already been bigger than his britches. I think it's... I think prefect is there are two from each house. Mm. And head boy and head girl, there's one each year. Oh. So he's... And it's seventh year when you're head boy. Mm. So... I, I think he's going to be just as nagging and whatever as usual i mean yeah i'm sure it'll come up i'm sure he'll find him in the hallway at some point and he'll be like i can't believe you're making me make this kind of decision you know my own brother and now i have to punish you even though i really don't want to punish you and it's just like you know all that stuff all those typical subplots that i don't usually 
care about because <laughs> it's like yeah it would impact me when i was a kid where i'm like oh man i can't imagine if i had let my sibling down but nowadays i'm just like eh, <laughs> i'll get over it this will be a funny memory in five years uh so i think that sort of thing will come into play but you know nothing nothing crazy so um let's talk about the the gifts that harry got um good stuff yeah. yeah. I I love I love that he gets the the broom cleaning kit and 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 he he thinks it's heavy and he's like, "Oh man, no doubt it's a book." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Harry's still in this like my birthday is terrible mode." Yeah. And and he's just so elated when it's something that he didn't even know that he wanted and it's awesome. Hermione knocked that out of the park. She killed it. Top-notch gift giver right there. Whew. Come, comes with uh, things to memorize to help him in the next chapter, which I love. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it was a super good gift from Hermione. Very thoughtful. Uh, I don't know what else to say about it. Like Hermione's just keeps winning badges mm-hmm. is like the coolest character. And then Ron gets him this pocket sneakoscope, which sounds like something that a 12 year old would get Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a 13 year old boy like spins if you know there's something untrustworthy going on or if there's somebody untrustworthy around you it's kind of like with the glowing sword in lord of the rings if there's orcs around yeah a little bit what's the name of that sword it's a good Uh, sword sting oh yeah it's sting yeah yeah it's a good sword yeah it's kind of like that i (laughs) it is like you said it's like the perfect gift for like one 12 year old guy to another 12 year old and and I'm sure that'll come in at some point too. You know, I, it just occurred to me that mm-hmm. that might have saved them a lot of trouble in the previous year with Ginny. Yeah, when she stole the diary, like she stole the diary from from Harry's dorm, mm-hmm. and like maybe they would have had a little hint as to like something's going on here because I had my pocket sneakoscope and like maybe that's what's on Ron's mind of like because what else what else is the benefit there like you put it in your dorm which you share with Ron so Ron can't prank him or do anything but like like do they not trust their other dorm mates well i just think, I they, think know, they do i just think they know they're going to get into hijinks and they'll probably carry it with them in their pocket and stuff it doesn't need to be in a case necessarily uh no i think it'll come in handy my guess is it'll probably be used as like a false flag like i'm going to look if the sneak dope goes off and it's like oh but snape's in the room it's gonna be mm-hmm. like okay they want me to think it's snape because this book just does that over and over again <laughs> but i'm going to look for Who's in the room that's not Snape? <laughs> because, Joanne, I will not fall for this again. <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, no, who else is in the room? Oh, some redhead with purple sleeves? Mm, mm, I'll trust that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good chapter. I loved the gifts. Um, Monster Book of Monsters from Monster Hagrid. Book- oh, yeah, and he had to, like, chase it down. Hagrid, dude, like, Hagrid needs to read the room, man, like... Well, he he left a cryptic cryptic note that I think I think we're it's got to be clear that we're gonna get some sort of payoff of yeah, it's gonna yeah. come in handy next year. Yep. So how's it gonna come in handy, Clark? Well, that eagle thing probably needs a that griffin thing is probably has an entry in there, and it's probably gonna help him 
you know, learn how to communicate and write it. But Hagrid knows that's coming? Well, I think Hagrid just knows, like, you've interacted with beasts, like, every year so far. He's just uh, like, you're, you're a rabble-rouser, just like me. Yeah. You're, you're going to be raising your own Aragog someday, so... Or I think, I think Hagrid at one point teaches a class. So maybe this is the year that that happens, where Hagrid teaches some sort of monster, or some sort of, like, beast class. I think that happens at some point. Um, that could happen here. Uh, you know what annoys me? I actually like, okay, so it, this thing on the front of the book, it has eagle's wings and an eagle's head and the horse's back. I know what that's called. I swear I know what that's called. I thought it was just like a griffin, but now it is just killing me. Because like, but I don't want to cheat and look it up. But like, I have the word for this in my head. <laughs> I'm just like, definitely not a Pegasus. I don't think it's a griffin. I don't think it's a hippogriff. I don't know. It's really bothering me. Uh, but yeah, the monster book of monsters. My guess is Hagrid's teaching a class, or he has some new monster, or he plans on getting some new monster. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if this was the textbook for Hagrid's class, and like all these kids are chasing their books around. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That'd be fun, right? There's a picture. Yeah. <laughs> and then they get into class and like all the kids have to round up their books before they can even start class. Um, so that's my guess. Uh, and then, of course, Harry gets his Hogwarts letter as well. Did he get that on his birthday? Yeah, it came It came the same time. Yeah. Uh, that was the other owl that was carrying oh, arrow was yeah. from Hogwarts. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, take a load of this guy. <laughs> like... <laughs> stupid owl like official looking owl mm-hmm. but it's good which comes with a permission form mm-hmm. to go to hogsmeade mm. which what 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 do you think hogsmeade's like it's like a tourist trap only for wizards i mean it's got to have you know beautiful sites beautiful hills it's this little like thing that has all the necessities probably a bunch of like really interesting shops um little little hamlet tourist trap sort of yeah or yeah little tour things they can go on ski and... town kind of kind of a place yeah exactly that's but it's but it's whimsical it's fun it's probably a little bit expensive there's probably some dangerous thing that they'll tell you about and you know the stories it's like the chupacabra if you go to puerto rico like the you know every place has its little stories <laughs> and i bet hogsmeade has something like that as well uh i think it's gonna be a fun place I really do. We'll see. Maybe it sucks. <laughs> it's you gotta get your permission form, and no one ever gets it signed. Yeah, because it's like screw that. Why would I want to go there? <laughs> They're like went there once. It's like the Tillamook Cheese Factory. You know, it's like, yep, they're making cheese. <laughs> Look at them go, curds and whey. <sighs> so that's a that's. Most everything in this chapter. Yeah. So, want to tell me what your favorite quote was then? Mm-hmm. Let me open up to page number 10. <clears throat> it's where they are talking about the sneakoscope and what the sneakoscope does. And we get a little glimpse into Joanne's humor and just the relational dynamic of the, the Weasleys in general. And it's just nice to get back in it. So, let's see. Is it page 10? Oh, yeah. I'm on page 8. What am I doing? <clears throat> All right. I'll just start at the beginning of the paragraph. Why not? Harry, this is a pocket sneakoscope. If there's someone untrustworthy around, it's supposed to light up and spin. 
Bill says it's rubbish sold for wizard tourists and isn't reliable because it keeps lighting up at dinner last night. <clears throat> Kept lighting up. But he didn't realize Fred and George had put beetles in his soup. Signed wrong. I just love the beetles in the soup line. I think it's just so funny. Like, they just never stop pranking each other. And, like, it's just, it's so funny. And you think you'd notice beetles in your soup, but I guess beetles come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, either way, it's just so funny because I can just picture that scene so well of him being like, look, it's rubbish. It's spinning right now while, like, nomming on his beetles. It's, <laughs> that was just a great line, painted a great picture. Definitely uh, my favorite. How about you? I think, I, yeah, I really like that line, too, because Bill's someone we haven't really encountered yet, either, yeah. and it sort of gave me an idea of who Bill is, and, like, I think all we know is that he works for Gringotts. Yeah, he's pretty a, official. A curse breaker with Gringotts. Yeah, um, so he's smart. And So he's a smart dude, and doesn't really pay too close attention to what Fred and George are doing. So clearly there's like some age gap and they're mm-hmm. just, he, they're still just sort of pesky little siblings in his mind, probably. And he thinks they're probably past that. Feels pretty yeah. much like an authority in the family now too. Of, yeah. um, I can tell my youngest brother, like that's rubbish. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the world. I'm probably like 20 at this point, And I know. <laughs> I had all the answers at 20. I tell you that. <laughs> um, so for me, my favorite quote is on page six. Um, it's, and it's, it's got a little bit of melancholy to it because that's what I like. Um, and it's, it's talking about how uh, Harry had let, Harry's allowed to let Hedwig out now. Um, And she had been absent for two nights now. So uh, Harry wasn't worried about her. She'd been gone this long before. But he hoped she'd be back soon. She was the only living creature in this house who didn't flinch at the sight of him. And I really love that, what that line does to describe his relationship with the Dursleys. Because we've gotten some background here about the Dursleys, but really not a lot. It was a lot of Hogwarts background and how Harry's this strange kid. And we kind of get the sense that his family isn't that great. But we get, rather than getting anger and and the uh, the sort of one-dimensional just abusiveness, we also get some fear here. Of they flinch at the sight of him and we sort of get this sense of like they they know that there is a power and they also maybe know that they're not treating him well and like yeah there's, there's an awareness to it there's like flinch is a really rich verb yeah and i i just and i and i also love the fact that like he has this like creature that he loves who loves him and we see that he is lovable through that in a lot of ways too like mm-hmm. there, there's this owl that cares for him there's this creature that is smart that cares for him it's capable of shooting lightning i mean i mean he has yet to be seen hedwig can definitely shoot lightning. <laughs> <laughs> and and when you when the lightning shooters are on your side you know you've got it mm-hmm. if i had knowledge shot lightning i'd feel pretty good <laughs> So that's my favorite quote. That's nice. It's funny that you bring up the Dursleys and not hearing that much about the Dursleys because we get an awful lot of them 
in chapter two. Oh yeah. Uh, what else happens in chapter two? Oh, chapter two, which is Aunt Marge's big mistake. Uh, Aunt Marge comes to visit, and Harry tries his hardest to behave, but ends ends up blowing her up and then running away. Like blowing up like the, the like a balloon, ki- like a balloon, like the kid in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory that turns into a blueberry. Yes, a lot like that. A lot like that. It's Aunt Marge. So talk, t- tell me what, what you think of Aunt Marge. Uh, we kind of have like a no cursing policy. <laughs> and it's going to be a little bit hard to describe her without using some strong language. Oh, uh, man. I will say she, she is... is an unkind, unkept, uh, terrible woman that uh, has no regard for a lot of humans, much less Harry Potter. Like she says downright, like, I would do the same thing as Harry Potter. Though I'd probably just like, I don't know. It's hard because, you know, I don't, it, I wasn't there. It's a terrible situation to be in. But like just punching her in the face seems like a very good option. She is maybe, for me, the most abhorrent character we have met yet. Oh, yeah. Voldemort is way cooler than this person. Yeah. I'd rather definitely have coffee with Voldemort because at least he has like a vision. And it's like, you know, he's, he's trying to help some people. Uh, but no, Marge is just, man. She's just bad. There's also, there's a charisma to Voldemort Mm -hmm. that we've seen, and there is none of that here. Mm -hmm. This woman is, I sort of, I I, I noted the line where um, she had Colonel Fubster, whoever (laughs) that is, her neighbor, her friend, Mm -hmm. some dude who likes her, I have no idea. She had him drown the runt of a litter, and I was like, I don't, like, you you drown dogs that are puny. Yeah. I was kind of surprised they threw that in a kid's book. Because if I was a kid, I'd, I'd probably just like go right past that. That is. But then it'd be like, wait a second. Alarmingly dark. Yeah. And I mean, it's also like real life for dog breeders. Well, some dog breeders. Well, and uh, so there's that. And then she treats people like dogs. And she treats dogs like people. Yeah. Like he this dog can drink from my glass, no worries. What? But you talk to Harry like he needs to be beaten and whipped like an untrained dog. Yeah, it's so terrible. Uh I think okay, there is one person that's less likable. Oh, what is his name? He finally got offed by the snake, but he had the camera, so he pulled through. Oh, Colin Creevy? Ugh. Colin Creevy is nowhere near <laughs> the same level of unlikability. Like Colin Creevy, I hope he got transferred to another school. Like I, Colin Creevy is an exposition bot and mm, obnoxious. Mm-hmm. She is abhorrent. Mm. I would pick hanging out with Colin Creevy over hanging out with Aunt Marge any day. I'd rather just hang at that point. <laughs> That's so <laughs> terrible. Oh my gosh, things just got so dark. <laughs> anyway, so Marge <laughs> is coming into town. I don't know... Why? Because I completely forgot. Why is she in town? I think she's just visiting. I think that's, I mean, there there are families that do that, that, you know, you'll just go take a week and stay with family at their house. And Strange. that's what she's doing. Yeah. It wasn't my family, but. <laughs> wasn't really mine either. I've I mean, heard of families that do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've definitely spent a night or two at family's house, but that's because we were like passing through their city anyway. Hmm. 
So she's just coming to see how things are going. Uh, that's her brother, right? Vernon's her brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not Petunia's sister because that's Harry's mom. Yeah. Uh, sorry, just piecing things together on air here. <laughs> <laughs> just going through. I uh, did not get to reread this chapter before. Uh, so I've only read this one once. Uh, so before Aunt Marge is get, getting there, we have this moment, and we saw this in the first two books as well, where Harry is given this talk by Uncle Vernon of like, no, seriously, nothing bad can happen. And I think that happened last book with the house elf, and maybe even the book before that? No? No, the, the first book, as soon as Harry finds out that he is a wizard they leave and then when he comes back and spends a month with the dursleys they ignore him yeah that's what it is so but the second book there's dobby and well vernon is like you need to be very quiet there's this whole dinner thing and then dobby comes and ruins it all and this is the same sort of thing before marge comes he turns to harry and i'm sure the movie is gonna have it be so dramatic no funny business no funny business which I I don't know why he thinks he needs to tell Harry that their whole dynamic just what what is their goal what do they want like I just don't get the Dursleys as characters like at a certain point you think it'd be easier to just be nice to the kid okay so so think about what happened in Chamber of Secrets mm. they said no funny business and as far as they know Harry intentionally ruined their dinner oh yeah yeah. That's definitely their mindset. And so then we have a whole week of a woman who they know is going to treat Harry like trash because they have to know. Yeah, yeah. And they even, like, tell a story to give her an even cleaner shot to treat Harry like trash. And so, of course, they expect this kid's going to intentionally ruin this, too. And and it's going to be a power move. And what do they think the, the threats are even going to do at that point? I, I guess I... Like, threatening doesn't work. They're terrible to him. And he reciprocates by getting revenge. Like, this seems like it'd well, be way easier to just work with the kid and not just constantly villainize and push and push and push and push him until he's on the edge. But like, that's that's Vernon's character. That yeah. he, he is someone who yells at people all day long and yeah. then comes home smiling because I yelled at people I all day long. I did love that line in the first book. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's just how he deals with people. It's how he manages is... Yeah. I'm I'm going to terrorize people and they're eventually going to cower and submit. And for 10 years of Harry's life, 11 years of Harry's life, it worked. Pretty well, yeah. So. And I think that's kind of Marge's strategy too, of like talk down, belittle, belittle, belittle until you, they are so far underneath you that like they're just not even a problem anymore. I mean, it sounds like she does that to everyone in her life. So she's just doing that to Harry, you know? It's, it's yeah. not it's not that she doesn't care about Harry. It's one thing to be apathetic, but to go out of your way to rant and rant and rant and to villainize their parents and their mom and their dad so specifically, it's not apathy. It's she cares. She just has a lot of opinions on it and she's going to opine them like right in front of Harry. It's this weird power move. It'd be better if she just ignored him if she's just like, "Here, take my bag. Here, feed my dog or whatever like if she just treated him like a servant but she doesn't she gives him that extra special of like i know you're listening i know you can hear me i'm going to smack talk your parents who are dead like that is a whole new level of power moves you know just daring him to do something i don't think she's daring him to do something i think she's 
training him like a dog. She's treating him like a dog and training him like a dog. I'm going to abuse you until you submit to me. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's because it's a bad I, way to train a dog, but. <laughs> but I yeah. think it's exhibited that that's how she does it. Yeah. That's that true. that's how she trains her dogs, and that's how. Uh, and and Harry's defiant. Yeah, and he tries really hard to hold his tongue, and he goes and he thinks about all the book uh, the room care instructions which is funny i feel like that's a very hermione coping mechanism to like try and recite things that you've memorized in your head over and over and over to like cope with the situation i like that and that actually that that brings to mind a question for you clark Mm. um if you were under the same situation Mm -hmm. under under the same stress Mm -hmm. and you too had bargained that I'm going to behave as best as possible because if I do, I'm going to get my permission slip signed. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, I won't. So you have to do your very best to behave well. Mm -hmm. What coping mechanism would you use? Would you think about something? And if so, what? And recite the way that he does or, or how would you do it? Uh, When you're, you're stuck in a room, you try to leave and you can't. I definitely have spaces that i escape to in my mind uh that i've learned from like riding in the subway a lot or just like waiting in line for a really long time it's the same place that i go if like a restaurant is taking like way too long to bring me my food and like there's nothing i can do or just any time that i'm in a situation where it's like i have no power to actually increase that like to make this go by any faster so i'm just gonna cope with it uh, I do have my own little world that I can run off to, which is, again, like we talked about in the books, like Calvin and Hobbes. I really like that because Calvin just escapes into this whole other world. And I feel like I definitely have another world like that. Um, it's a little bit more sci-fi. I kind of have just like this running narrative um, of like this kind of sci-fi universe. It's really, really nerdy. But uh, also I would think about art projects, I think. Um, I'd probably listen to like CDs in my head. Like I'd probably just like pick like an angry album, like one of the Deftones albums and just hit play in my mind and just listen to it. Uh, cause like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like fortunate enough that I like, if I listen to an album enough times, I can just listen to it without listening to it. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. That's like the one thing I can remember is like albums. So I'd probably just listen to some Deftones or some, like, Yellow Card or something that's, like, angsty. Uh, yeah, so I'd go into my own world. I would think of music, and I'd think of art projects. What would you do? I think music's a big one for me, too. I think I could um, go through, like, whole whole concerts that I've performed, nice. like choirs. Yeah. Um other things that I've sort of done to pass the time are like songs that I've learned for camp Mm. when I, when I worked at my camp, uh, some of those, I think I've also, there, there were times in high school. I remember that I, there were a couple of movies, one in particular, um, empire records that I watched over and over and over and over again. Awesome. And I had that, I like wrote down all of the dialogue. I had it like 
from memory I could write down all of the dialogue. And so I've I've like gone through and like quasi watched this movie in my mind because I knew it so well. I don't think I could do it now, but that's maybe one. What else? I think I I might try playing like some trail games with yeah. myself, like the the things that you're like, oh, the celebrity game where you say like, you know, Sandra Bullock. Okay, now I need someone whose first name starts with a B. Brad Pitt. Okay, now I need someone with a first name starts with P. Alyssa, are you familiar with a little game we played called uh, Seven Steps to Ceviche? Oh golly, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> Cannot do it. It's a very fun game. We did it when we did our our crossover episode on 20 Minutes of Banter. Which, full disclosure, I didn't know what ceviche was at the time, which is why I played it so terribly. <laughs> you did not know what ceviche was. And I did not want to ask wow. that, that deck full of three people who all knew what they were playing. I was we like, I can't admit you were going to eviscerate me. We would have given you a lot of crap. And I didn't want to take crap. Yeah, so that's fair. That's I didn't fair. know what ceviche was. Confession time. For those who are listening and don't know what ceviche is, it is a method of preparing fish and that you start with raw fish and then instead of cooking it in like a traditional way, like on a grill or in an oven or whatever, you actually just douse it in like lemon and lime juice or some sort of like really acidic liquid. It could even just be like apple cider vinegar and you put it in the fridge for like eight hours and the acid is actually what like cooks the fish. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see, but like... You cook it with acid, and that kills enough bacteria and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's just a way to prepare fish. But it's, like, really flavorful, really fresh-tasting, and it's really good. And my friends and I have a, a fake game that we made up because we have way too much time on our hands um, called Seven Steps to Ceviche, where you take a noun or you take anything and then you try and get it back to ceviche in as few steps as possible. Can I explain this? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So we'll start like, okay. Um, How about rock cakes? Rock rock cakes. Hagrid's rock cakes. Okay. So rock cakes. Um, hmm. I'm assuming butter. Probably, yeah. Uh, milk. Okay. Produced by a cow, right? Uh, water. It's a liquid. You drink okay. it. Okay. Fish. <laughs> Ceviche. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's a, you get the point. Um, anyway, so... I would probably play Seven Steps of Ceviche in my head as well. Uh, and trail games, like you said, the the sort of thing. Was Carmen Sandiego? That's not a something... You need, like, a computer to play that, right? Some sort of weird, like, trivia hybrid. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could do that off the top of my head. Yeah, no, neither could I. Especially under duress. No. So, yeah. anyway, yeah, I was just curious what, what your mind would go to in that. Ceviche. <laughs> Eventually, Always. hopefully in fewer than seven steps. Uh, <laughs> so, Marge, I, one thing that I have noticed, and it kind of makes me feel a little bit better about how terrible the Dursleys are, they're all going to die of heart attacks. Like, they, mm, they eat, maybe not Petunia. 
No, she's going to die of like uh, really high blood pressure, mm-hmm. which can lead to what hemorrhages. I don't know, but either way, um, or just like anxiety, anxiety in general. Yeah, panic. Either way, these people eat so much food and petunia is like the exact same way she's described in the same way as vernon and everything where it's just like red face very angry very sloppy the idea of sharing a glass with a dog like you've seen dogs drink it is not like a clean tidy thing like of all the things to share with your dog your water is probably like the the grossest because like it's one thing if they like eat some of your food because like all the food that they're touching, they're taking with them. But man, sharing water is really gross. Ugh. Yeah. So bad. I don't know what else to say about her. Like the whole Dursleys and stuff, this whole chapter, like it, I just got more and more upset. I really liked that Harry did the whole like, oh man, it'd be, uh, it'd be a shame if something were to happen. Maybe you should sign this paper. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was a really clever mood. I, uh, move. I feel like... It was a good double down from the last book because we've already seen the scold of no funny business. Mm -hmm. And so now we gave Harry a reason to obey. Yeah. And we also gave like, I don't know. I I, I think it, it just, it was a good job of not repeating the beginning of, of chamber of secrets. Yeah. That's a good point. And because I mean, like I was saying earlier, why does uh, why does Mister Dursley think that it's going to work this time? Well, there's the added incentive of needing this like thing signed. Yeah. Why Why does Mister Dursley think it's going to work? And also, why should Harry not like like? Yeah. I mean, he got a letter last time scolding him. Don't do magic. But why should he be invested in behaving? Mm. Like he can create a lot of hijinks oh yeah yeah without using magic oh easily yeah and so it 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 gives harry more reason other than self-preservation to try and so i i think it, it was a smart move um yeah the other the other thing that i wanted to talk about beyond marge is before she gets there um just a little reminder because i forgot that this happened entirely is we learn over the news that that that's the first time that we hear about Sirius Black, the convict who escaped from prison. Oh yeah, huh. And I love Mr. Dursley yelling at the TV of you didn't tell me where he escaped from. He could be walking down the street right now. And I I just I kind of forgot that that's the first way. And I mean obviously we're going to learn more about Sirius Black because he's on the book jacket as Sirius Black. Oh yeah. And and so, obviously, we have a name. Yeah, yeah. It's even the scene like there's there is no other use for it. Harry isn't his interest isn't even piqued. No. By it, and so it it could be a throwaway, but obviously it, yeah, something's it, coming up. Yeah. Uh, it is weird though. Okay, so if Sirius Black was in prison and he escaped uh, Muggle prison. I think I think he's a wizard or he has magic because why else would he even be a threat? You know, he can only be a threat if he's magical because like anything else is just small potatoes. Uh, what if he's like some kind of muggle who's trying to get trying to expose them power 
or trying to expose them or something. Yeah. yeah. The Ministry of Magic has tools for that. I don't see how that would affect Harry. I mean, like, I just, nah, he's, he's magic, which kind of leads me to think, like, how did he end up in human jail? Well, I mean, that would explain how he escaped. <laughs> like, oh, because he's a wizard. Uh, but it kind of does throw off the idea of prisoner of Azkaban because it's like, no, he's a prisoner of some prison. <laughs> If that makes sense. Not Azkaban, it's just some prison. So maybe they'll throw him in Azkaban too. Uh, yeah, we do find out through newscast. I forget that there was a long, long time there where we got all of our news from TV. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, oh man, I I can't remember the last time I had a story break on TV that like the first time I heard of it was on TV. Like nine times out of ten, I'm reading it on Twitter or on the newspaper's Facebook page or something like that. I guess that's just me. There are still plenty of people that tune into TV, but it's just weird to think about. Hmm. You're a newspaper editor, so yeah. You've yeah. Got, you've got your bias. I've, I've, I've got my places where <laughs> I learn yeah. it. Yeah. Hopefully from my reporters before it's actually gone out into the on world. On TV? Yeah, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, we learn about Sirius Black on TV, which is weird because, yeah, he... he is known and and is significant in the muggle realm and possibly as well in the magic realm so it is curious he must be doing something with with muggles or two muggles or four muggles we'll see we haven't uh voldemort didn't really deal with that voldemort was pretty much focused on on the magic folks so this might be a whole new whole new bad that goes and brings you know yeah muggles were a bit the ants that you step on as you walk. Yeah. That was that yeah. was how Voldemort treated them, it seemed. But I think Sirius might take them more seriously. So Oh, oh. I know. I know. It's good stuff. I'm <laughs> on fire. So, um, the end of the chapter, Harry Harry loses control and blows Marge up mm-hmm. and then Harry realizes like, I'm screwed. Like Oh yeah, not like, coming back from that. I'm done with this place where you treat me terribly but also like i i broke rules so like i'm out i am out and he goes and grabs all of his stuff and walks out and runs away where's he going i will say before i answer that not gonna lie if they put him back in the house with the dursleys at the end of this school year i'm gonna be really annoyed because like it is so so abundantly clear that this situation is not working at all they're incredibly bad caretakers guardians they are working entirely against everything the school is trying to train them for like somebody's got to step in and be like okay enough is how many times does he need to like freak out and have these massive panic attacks and like do something crazy where's my wizarding social services yo exactly like, if they just, if every single book starts with how bad the Dursleys are, I'm done, man. Like, this is, like, the last book I really want to experience Dursleys, personally. And who knows what comes next, but, like, what, what, I just don't know how they could possibly put him back in with them, even over Christmas break, even over summer break. Like, nope, some, this is it. This is it. It's a little done with the Dursleys. Series of unfortunate events esque. 
Yeah. You always start in an awful situation and then you always go back to an awful situation if that's what your story just, is. Man, I'm just kind of over it. It's like, I, I get it. These people suck. This whole thing is unhappy. He's going to blow up by the end of it. It's like, it's becoming a bit formulaic. Like, if it keeps going after this, it's like, I get it. Like, let's stop. Uh, so where is he going then? Um, I mean... Usually when this happens, somebody swoops in and kind of takes him away, whether it's Hagrid on a flying motorcycle or the Dursleys in a flying car. So my first inclination is the to Weasleys. think... What did I say? Dursleys. Ah, yeah, Weasleys in a flying car. Um, so my first inclination is, well, somebody's going to fly in on some kind of vehicle and fly him out of there, and he's going to be in huge trouble, and they're going to be like, oh, we have to have you talk to the Wizarding Tribunal and like all that. Um so it could be that someone just comes and picks him up. Uh, it could be that he wanders through town and sees Sirius Black. I could see that. He sees this shadowy figure running around, and he's like, that looks familiar. Uh, man, I don't know. He's going to end up back at Hogwarts. He can't not go to Hogwarts. All of these books hinge on him going to Hogwarts. So even if he gets a stern talking to, even if he goes through some sort of wizard tribunal of what happened, why are you using magic? We need to expel you. No, wait, we can't expel you. You're Harry Potter. Uh, even if all that happens, he's ending up back at Hogwarts. So like final destination, Hogwarts might be some spaces in between might end up with, Ooh, it'd be cool if he was with the Weasleys. I'd like that. Put him in the, put him in the hovel. Nope. The burrow. Burrow. There we go. Um, worth Hermione. That'd be cool. Uh, if they send him back with the Dursleys, I, I'm going to have some trouble with that, but hopefully they'll just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. He ends up at Hogwarts eventually. I can tell you that much. Everything in between here and there, it could be, it could be anything. Maybe this Griffin comes and gets him. Maybe <laughs> Hedwig finally shoots lightning and takes him through his dimensional rift to somewhere else. Because there's no way owls are flying letters from Egypt. Like, there's just... <sighs> That's a lot of flying. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. Uh, him blowing up Marge, though. I mean, that's going to be really hard to, like... That's a big deal. Like, they're going to have to send the Ministry of Magic to wipe their memories. Like, it's going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they can't just be like, oh, this crazy thing happened. It's like, nope, they have to send in everybody wipe all the memories remove all the evidence like i don't see this blowing over quite as much as like just dudley getting a pigtail like or or a cake splatting down it's like nope someone was actually put in like some physical harm this is like and and like it was so clearly magic it could be nothing but magic unlike the whole cake falling down thing that could be you know whatever but yeah, this is a, it's not going to blow over. I think he's going to get chewed out. I think he's going to get brought before some kind of council. I think Dumbledore is probably going to come in at the last minute or Hagrid and be like, no, he's an asset. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Okay. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm probably going to go home and read the next two chapters <laughs> because I've been waiting. Yeah, this is a, sorry about the kind of long wait, guys, by the way. And I know we're probably not supposed to talk about the behind the scenes stuff, but um, it's just uh, a lot of stuff kept coming up and uh, moving to a new studio next week or a new house, therefore setting up a new studio. 
<laughs> studio first house second yeah like, that, that, I think that is like, what your abode is <laughs> pretty much i'm like man look at all these walls i can put things like blankets up there to absorb sound uh i'm excited about weird things when i move <laughs> so all that to say thanks so much for waiting for season three i really do appreciate it uh but we're not quite done talking yet. yeah because i need to hear your favorite quote my favorite quote we used to have a song for that didn't we favorite quotes yeah there it is found it uh mine is on page or wait no you go first me yes please okay i'm on 23 um is that it Is it the no, hit? I'm sorry. I wrote the wrong one down. Mm. I'm on page 17. Um, and it's uh, right after we learn about Sirius Black and on, on the phone. And they're talking about he could be walking down the street right now. And then Harry and Petunia, who was bony and horse-faced, whipped around and peered intently out the kitchen window. Harry knew Aunt Petunia would simply love to be the one to call the hotline number. (laughs) She was the nosiest woman in the world and spent most of her life spying on the boring, law-abiding neighbors. (laughs) And I just love the notion of her, like, sitting at the window from now until Sirius Black is actually found, just, like, scanning an empty street for the culprit <laughs> like i will be the one to call and and just sort of being her little gorilla investigative team looking to narc as soon as possible on this guy mm. that's a very good like summation of who on petunia yes. is their description of, of on petunia are always like so good they're they're always very brief and yet paint such a full picture i love it love it so much anyway Mm. what about you clark Uh, shoot mine is on page 24 boy let's see (sighs) i think yep 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 so it's uh one of the examples of like uncle vernon is is many things but he's not actually stupid he's he's dense uh for sure He's definitely not self-aware. Like physically dense? <laughs> that too. Well, I don't know. Fat's not that dense. Um, but he actually like does have a few like one-liners, and he's pretty good at insulting people. And we saw that to where, um, let's see, the Aunt Marge is asking uh, Vernon questions about Harry. Uh, and says, where is it that you send him again, Vernon? And he said, St. Brutus. St. Brutus is, said Uncle Vernon promptly. It's a first-rate institution for hopeless cases. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, that's actually pretty clever. <laughs> first-rate institution for hopeless cases. He, I, I really struggled with that choice of his to tell Harry, like, not only do you have to behave, you go to a private school for criminal children. Yeah, and it's like you made your you made your life harder here by telling Harry he has to embody this criminal atmosphere like this this criminal air about him it's so much easier to just like be nice and like make up a nice yeah yeah or or just be like 
yeah, we like the state like sponsored like the 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 country sponsored some scholarship to send him off to this private school. Yeah. And yeah. we took him up on it because we don't have to pay for it and gets him out of it our gets hair. him out of the house. Yeah. Something for orphans like, and since his parents got off, you know. Yeah. Something like that he could still be daft, but um like he or or you know, he attends the public school and they've got some like boarding dorms that we put him in for the school year or yeah. something it's kind of a new thing whatever like but no he has to have his moment of of making harry seem like such a just a bad kid yeah mm. it's and and it's it's such a confusing choice that made his problems that that made his problem yeah. i think yeah definitely so anyway <sighs> but Okay, so there was a lot more for me to talk about in these chapters than I expected. Yeah. I thought it really would be like, eh, you know, I heard more about the people, got caught up on the people, and then he blew up the person. Uh, no, there's, there is some stuff here. Um, I I just but have no ac- idea what's coming next. <laughs> the action's just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, I will say, man, long-term predictions for this book... I don't know if Hagrid shoots lightning in this, or not Hagrid. Whoa, <laughs> uh, Hedwig shoots lightning in, in this book. I think they they're gonna hold that out until book like five. I'm still holding on to that. Um, no Though, ja- didn't you say book seven on that before? Book seven. Oh. I think you said book seven before, and I'm the one who said like, no, no, no. You whip that over like book five, and then oh, it becomes. Okay. Yeah, I, I will trust your memory in this case. So book seven. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, so definitely not this book. Mm, Sirius Black is the bad guy. I mean, Black's in his name, right? So that sounds really bad. I didn't mean it like that. That sounds so bad. No, I mean it more in the sense of like, no, no, no. He, he like wears all black. He's so like Snape-like, you know, because he's wearing all this. And he probably has like long black hair. Anyway. Uh, he, he is described as someone with really like, like back length black hair. Yeah back length so uh yeah that's it for the first two chapters all right so uh how can they find us clark if they want to talk to us well there are a few ways melissa they Mm -hmm. can find us on of course facebook you just search for wordstruck and your little search thingy will pop up uh we check that constantly uh we're also on twitter at wordstruck pod pod uh we also have an email address that Alyssa knows at wordstruckpodcast at gmail.com and she checks that fanatically mm-hmm. uh we are of course a secret weapon production uh there are lots of other really cool podcasts at secretweaponproductions.com uh we're there you can see all of our shows and episode notes and stuff on that website uh and you can also check out some other podcasts while you're over there uh because it's a fun little group of people and I don't know, like if you like Disney Channel original movies, we have a podcast where people drink and talk about Disney Channel original movies. Like, how fun. Uh, and there's also some music stuff. There's all sorts of stuff. Just check it out. Um, but until then, we are just so happy that you guys either discovered us or you waited for us. Either way, we are super thankful. We are super happy that you're listening to us. And we are just really looking forward to just getting through this book and sharing the experience with you. So thank so, you. Yeah. As always, I'm at Alyssa Small. That's at Clark Hodges. Mm-hmm. And we'll hear from, we'll hopefully hear from you and talk to you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.